0: A grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Touchdown, Kansas City! KMOX.
1: We are in hour number two of the program here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pawley. As always, if you want to join us, you can do so. 314 436 7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me at Matt Paulley on air, M A T T P A U L E Y on air. So we are continuing to uh, raise money for a tree of hope and uh, Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. We we're talking about earlier uh, with the uh, pickleball to party for 20. We have had a wonderful listener commit to that. So that's very cool. But you know what? you still have an opportunity to uh, help us raise money for children, uh, for uh, Tree of Hope and uh, SSM Health Car- uh, Cardinal Glennon. All you have to do is text HOPE, hope to, to uh, 20357. Let's say that again. HOPE two two zero three five seven. 20357. You have to have that long pause between the two, the letter, the word two, and the number two. Text HOPE to 220357. All right, uh, Blues get the win yesterday, and that's a much-needed win. Much, much-needed win. Hey, they've got three points out of the last two games. When you think about who they have been really since uh, mid-November, that's about this is as good of a run as they have been on since that seven-game winning streak. Uh, they they had the 3-2 overtime loss against Colorado on Sunday, where they actually, they played all right. like If they weren't in the middle of a long uh, period of not playing well, I don't think we would have been too upset about that 3-2 overtime loss. And then they get a one nothing win against Nashville yesterday. Craig Berube spoke with the media after the game yesterday, and uh, he really liked the toughness that his team played with.
2: It's a tough game. It's a heavy game. We knew that. It's always a heavy game with them. They're a big team. Not much room. So it was a good, it was a good hockey game. Battled, you know, competed. Heavy game all around. You talked about the need to tighten it up, not just on the PK, but all around defensively. Did you see that? Yeah, I thought we played a, you know, a checking game. You know, we were we gave up the one odd man rush, I thought, but overall, you know, we were tight. We we're reloading. D were tight. Now we're, we're heavy around our net, which you had to be.
1: And that's where this team can start to find a little bit of traction that they haven't had. Go play that tough game. There's some really good skill players on this team that are maybe not known for that level of toughness, but anybody can go do it. If you go put in the effort, if you make the decision that that's how you're going to play, that can be the first step towards moving in a, in a good, solid direction and go play low scoring games and go play games where um where you're you're just out there being being tough like I I'm thinking about using other words other than tough but that's what it is show some toughness and at times that's what they've been missing not just at times for much of the season that's what they have been missing. Sometimes you just need it. You want it more than the other team. And they go play that one, nothing game yesterday, Jordan Bennington. He gets the uh, shutout victory. It's a second shutout win of the year. It is also his 100th win of his career.
2: Well, it's a huge accomplishment. I mean, I, I you know, you go back to when he was called up and what he accomplished and <clears throat> going forward, um, you know, he's been a solid goalie for us and, He's a blue, you know. He, he's he got a lot of compete in him, a lot of fire in him. Uh, what went into the uh, playing him back-to-back? Uh, you know, I just thought he was solid in uh game against Colorado. And, you know, we talked to him. He felt good. So I just went with him. The one game
0: in the last week, too. You know, yeah,
2: that to that too. And, you know, he felt good, and he felt good the next day. So that was just the decision we made. And, and Chief, you said a
1: couple days ago, he said, come on, guys, it's the <laughs> only Let's go! Oh, Let's go! He wanted to kind of gather the troops. It says a lot about him to come out and
2: back it up. There. Well, like I said, he's a leader on this team, and uh, you know he's a highly competitive person, and you know he—that's uh, him.
1: I love the art of coaching, and when I'm talking about the art of coaching, I'm not talking about the X's and O's. Like that—that's important, but I've—I've I've come to a place in my life as a sports fan that when you're talking about high-level athletics. A lot of times coaching has to do with the interpersonal communication, the leadership, the showing belief, the decision on when to really go after an athlete, the decision on when to um, really back them up no matter what. And I, I listened to, to Craig Berube right there, and I thought it was a great example of what I love in coaching. Because it wasn't that long ago that Berube – in one of those post game media sessions, is not happy with Bennington, is openly critical of him about the way he's conducting himself and some of the antics that Bennington's been known for. And when things are going well for Bennington and he does some of that stuff, we look on it, you know, look at it kind of fondly, and it's part of who he is and it adds to his competitive nature. But when he's doing some of those things and it's not going well for him, it looks kind of like a sideshow and Barubi was unhappy so what and then then he gave him a little bit of time off and i don't i would not say that he got benched but it seemed like it was a good opportunity for a reset there's a difference between a guy being benched and a guy getting a reset clearly with with all due respect to to Thomas Grice this team is going to go as far as Jordan Bennington is able to take him not as far as Thomas Grice is able to take him so when 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 Grice starts a couple games it, it it's not because he's going to become the new number one for the team. It's not. Bennington is your number one goalie. So I just, the, the part of that that I love, I mean, when, when I hear Barubi say he's a blue, he's a blue. Like, what, that's from a compliment standpoint, when you're a head coach of a team, when you are trying to put your stamp, if if a team is going to reflect the head coach, well, then if a head coach is going to say, He's a blue, that's high praise. That's about as high praise as you can get. I just, I don't know. I love that. I I love that part of sports where coaches, leaders, one day are getting into guys and rightfully so, and just days later have that kind of attitude. So that's something that I kind of took away from that. Barubi obviously getting the win. He got the uh, he gets the shutout, making twenty five saves. So twenty five saves is a solid number of saves, but he didn't need to make. 35, 40 saves last night. And we talked about uh, just how good the defense was in front of the net last night.
2: <clears throat> tonight, you know, we showed it and made emphasis that they go to the net as good as any team in the league. That's their game. So we better be strong around there. And our D were solid tonight. They're physical and heavy, um, you know, battling at the net, broke pucks out really well. They did a good job. Tough
1: physical heavy those are the words we heard over and over and over after yesterday's game and if yesterday's win is is going to propel them to something i don't know if it's going to or not because they have had other moments where it felt like that was going to be the thing to propel them forward and then it just didn't work out that way and for all we know they're going to go on this five game road trip coming up and they're going to go you know 1 3 and 1 or something and it's just going to continue to be kind of Uh, going out and and not being able to put anything together. But if, if last night is the start of something, if they are going to find some consistency, not just for the next week, not just for the next two weeks, not just for the next month, but for the rest of the season, if they're going to find that consistency, if it's going to all of a sudden start to show up, if there's some version of a light switch that's being flipped on for them, and it's coming out of yesterday's game. Those are the words we're going to have to hear being connected to the team through the rest of the year. We're going to have to be talking about their toughness. We're going to be talking about their physicality. We're going to have to be talking about all of those things. It'd be nice for them to score some goals, you know you You don't want to you don't want to go <laughs> into every game and uh, take a you know a scoreless contest into overtime. That's not what we're talking about, but. It was a good point by Barubi, just what they did and the mindset that they had knowing that Nashville was very good going to the net. Well, they had guys in front of the net. They took care of that, and that was a big part of what happened last night. All right, we're going to uh, switch gears, get back to uh, baseball. The Cardinals making the announcement about their minor league co-players, co-players of the year, and also their minor league pitcher of the year. We will uh, discuss all of that uh, as coming up next, Daniel Guerrero from uh, STL Today and STL Pinchets. He's going to join us. This is Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pawley. This is Game KMOX. Sports of the line continuing on here on a Tuesday night. My name is Matt Pauley. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. The Cardinals making the announcement today on their minor league co-players of the year and also their minor league pitcher of the year to talk about that and much, much more. You read him at STL Today, STL Pinch Hits. You're uh, listening to his podcast. He's doing all kinds of things. He's Daniel Guerrero. Follow him on Twitter at TheDanGuerrero. Daniel, thanks so much for your time. How are you? I'm doing good, Matt. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, let's uh so I guess the only question going into the Player of the Year award was was Jordan Walker going to get it all by himself or was he going to share it with somebody? Well, we learned today that he shares it with somebody and, and a guy who certainly had quite the season in uh Moises Gomez who hit a minor league leading thirty nine home runs. Uh but obviously the year that Walker put together as well. Uh it's it's tough between the two when you look at what they were able to do this past season.
3: Oh, definitely. I mean When you look at, I mean, first of all, Gomez comes into the year kind of relatively unknown uh, on a minor league contract after he he got released by the Rays last November. Uh, You know, set the Cardinals, uh, a single-season minor league record with 39 homers, leads all of minor league baseball, earns himself a 40-man roster spot. Um, I mean, obviously, it's, uh, you know, a year that not many people saw coming. Um, And then obviously Jordan Walker, you know, as well, I mean, started the season at 19 years old. Uh, one of the or the youngest player in the texas league one of two teenagers on a double a roster to start the season um you know was one uh was a homer short of a 2020 season that would have been the first in springfield's history um but you know 31 doubles if i'm not mistaken uh you know and just hit the ball consistently throughout the year i mean and also i mean you can't you can't overlook the The other obstacles, I mean, with him having to transition to the outfield and and getting a little bit more comfortable there. But, I mean, overall, two really strong seasons from from obviously a guy who's a top prospect and another guy who kind of put himself into that prospect conversation. More often than not,
1: baseball executives kind of – hedge their bets when it comes to, to prospects. But you listen to mm-hmm. John Mozeliak talk about Jordan Walker and he, they're giving him every opportunity to maybe make the team out of spring training. They're not closing that door off. They're mm-hmm. talking openly about the excitement of having him in one of those corner outfield spots at, at some point in the relatively near future. Just what do you take away from how, how open uh, and optimistic the organization is about Walker's future at the major league level?
3: Um, I think it's. I mean, I don't. I mean, I. 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 I think it's obviously a good sign. I mean, I. I don't. I not I. I almost use the word ambitious, but I don't know if that has like a negative connotation or anything. But I mean, it, it's in a good way because obviously you have this prospect who, uh, certainly, I mean, for his age, is hitting among the best of them. I mean, we saw him go to the Arizona Fall League and do the same thing with guys who, you know, have more experience in Double A or have Triple A experience. Um, obviously, you know, one of the younger players in 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 the Texas league with Jordan Walker last year. And I mean, to see him excel the way he did, I mean, see him how consistent he was obviously with his maturity. I mean, such a mature player and just a mature personality for somebody who's able to handle that kind of that spotlight and that connotation of being the top prospect. I mean, he's kind of hit all the marks and, in, in that aspect, I mean, so to see or to hear, you know, John was and kind of the other, uh, I mean, people in the Cardinals talk about that possibility as you know Jordan Walker is going to come into spring with an opportunity to compete for for a spot on the opening day roster I mean it makes sense I mean you we, and we've seen that I mean kind of that trend around the league at least this last season I mean with the guy like Julio Rodriguez the same thing you know at that young age and at 20 years old comes into Mariners spring training and ends up on an opening day roster spot and wins rookie of the year. And that's not to say that, you know, that's exactly the path that Jordan Walker is going to go down. But, I mean, it's obvious the Cardinals are, you know, showing that they're open to, to you know, letting a guy who's 20 years old, you know, compete for a spot on, on their 26-man roster to start next season. What did you think about
1: his transition to the outfield and the way that he was able to, to play out there?
3: Um, I, I think one of the things that, that I kind of take away is how well he's embracing it. I mean, he's somebody who... Who, when I had the chance to speak with back in August, said, you know, he he's open to however the the organization wants, uh, where they want him to play and how they can use him. Um, obviously, he's he's just loves the game of baseball. Um, from the times that I talked to him, you can tell he's kind of like radiant when he talks about the sport and and, and all that. Um, but also in just the work he he's put in. I mean, uh, you know, he's kind of taken uh, also just advice from like teammates out in Springfield. That was one of the big things. Um, he credited a lot of the guys around him there and obviously the coaching staff down there for, for helping him kind of make that transition, you know, answering questions, helping him work on things. Uh, one of the things he talked a lot about was, you know, just his jumps and his read. Obviously, I mean, him being a third baseman has the arm to play right field, and we kind of saw that during the season. Uh, he threw out a couple guys at home, uh, different points, threw out a runner at second. Um, I remember uh, on the road I think it was against Amarillo uh, down there. But But, I mean, yeah, to see the way he's transitioning, I mean, he's – kind of that, you know, fits that label of just somebody being an athlete and for him to, to go out there and, and put in that work uh, after really not playing it at all. I mean, he said he kind of messed around at the last offseason, but to see him do that, I mean, it's still going to be a work in progress, but obviously something he's he's embracing, and and you can see he's kind of developing.
1: When the season ended, we looked at Moises Gomez as maybe a guy who could have an impact at the, on the major league level this upcoming season. You looked at his power. You looked at the mm-hmm. fact that uh, the DH spot was going to uh, have some at-bats connected to it. But as we've gotten in the offseason, we've talked more about you know finding left-handed bats for, for that club. And his name hasn't been mentioned much. How, how do you evaluate him and his potential and ability to impact the major league roster next year?
3: Well I think the biggest thing is his power. I mean, thirty nine homers is nothing to, you know, overlook. Uh and not not just that. I mean a lot of guys who, who are uh you know coaching staff and other players around him have talked about, you know, the the power that he has and the stuff you see during batting practice and uh and I mean that that's obviously his his biggest tool. That's something that, that he kind of you know, it's it's a big swing and miss thing, but obviously with the way kind of baseball is, I mean a lot of you see a lot of swing and miss guys around the league but but for him to have that, I mean, he kind of fits kind of that mold of like a right-handed DH uh, right now. I mean, he's he's still kind of uh, also, you know, getting more work in the outfield. I mean, he's played the outfield his whole career, and it's something that, you know, it's not not anything to knock, but I mean, it's just when you look at, you know, what he kind of brings to the table, I mean, that, that you know, that pop from the right-handed side of the plate is, is his biggest thing.
1: All right, let's get into the minor league pitcher of the year, and not uh, Gordon Grisepo. who was his first uh, full professional season, finished with a sub three ERA, finished with one hundred thirty nine strikeouts in one hundred and thirty nine in a third innings, uh, splitting time between High A Peoria and, and Double A Springfield. This is another guy that I know Cardinals fans are really excited about, and he rightfully wins this award. What's kind of the timeline on mm-hmm. him? He's a uh, you know we just talked about a couple guys who could impact the major league roster this season. Feels like uh, Grisepo is at least a year away.
3: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is just getting more innings and, and him just, uh, you know, getting more experience down there. I mean, who knows what can happen, you know, early in the season or or whatnot, but, but I mean, yeah, he's another guy who jump. you know, people are excited about for, for a lot of the right reasons. He's kind of the, the pitcher that you, you hear kind of the Cardinals talk about that, the, like that style that they're kind of looking for, you know, a guy with high velocity, high strikeout, you know, swing and miss, that was something, you know, he had a lot in, in high A. I mean, it took a little bit of a dip in, in 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 double A when he got to Springfield and he, you know, course corrected towards the end of the year, through sixteen and two thirds. Scoreless innings in his last three starts. Uh velocity came back, you know, after the wears and tears of the season. Something he acknowledged. Um, you know, was, was an adjustment for him. But but yeah, I mean he's a guy who, who same thing is kind of on a uh you know, a track to get here before we to get to the majors before we know it. Um and somebody who, you know, rightfully you know fans are excited about
1: how tough is it for these guys when they get to the big leagues where you just mentioned a guy going through the minor league season and being pushed to a spot from an innings perspective that they haven't been pushed before well that happens even more so when you get to the big leagues and you're playing the course of 162 games as you've watched prospects make that jump what do you see as maybe that uh, innings pitch toll on their arms gets to a point where it's never been before
3: um. Yeah. I mean, it, that that that's a really good point. Just because I mean, a lot of these guys. Um. I think especially like in the last couple of years, because we've had you know kind of a couple of funky two years as the minors were in 2020. You know, there's no minor league or you know college seasons in 2021. It's a little bit shortened. I mean, so yeah, there there really is an adjustment period for for some of these guys. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I uh, I think kind of a good you know. Uh, Example of somebody who was able to to kind of adjust to that after after going through you know a couple of weird seasons was definitely like Andre Pellante who mm-hmm. you know had was filled you know was started and uh, some games for the Cardinals you know was was solid out of the bullpen for them and you know projects to 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 be uh, somebody who they can rely on in that bullpen next season um, and somebody who you know Alimarmol is really high on in, in what they have um, but I mean yeah it's it's some it's it's definitely something you have to factor when when you're looking at uh, pitchers who, you know, kind of on that that cusp of of getting to the majors.
1: Last thing for you, as someone who's watched a fair amount of uh, minor league baseball, what is your expectation about some of these rule changes we're going to see at the big league level this upcoming season uh, that have already been in existence at the minor league level previously?
3: Um, One of the things is games are going to get a lot shorter. I mean, we're going to be getting home a little bit earlier than the ballpark (laughs) from the ballpark than we normally do, which I mean, which I mean and I know the pitch clock sounds very weird um obviously the pickoff or the the engagement rule you know you can only pick off twice without um you know if you don't if if you know if you don't throw the runner out then you know a third pickoff attempt that doesn't result in an out is an automatic base that the so obviously the, the game's going to change um it's something that I think uh it's it's going to be weird at first but it's something that I think a lot of uh people are starting to embrace in baseball and especially down in the minors I mean you see uh, guys kind of have the in- internal clock of playing with a quick pace. Um, I know Ollie Marmol talked about this last season with some of the younger guys, where they also had kind of an internal clock of you know kind of getting in the box quicker, getting back on the mound quicker. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of players, and, and it really is going to be an adjustment for fans because of of you know the other broader changes you know with with, uh, you know, limits on shifts and then, you know, eventually, you know, if the automated automatic ball strike system is implemented, it's going to be weird. But, you know, I think certain things, you know, fans are really going to embrace. He is Daniel Guerrero,
1: covers the Cardinals, cover the Cardinal minor leagues for STL Today and STL Pinchets. What do you guys have going on right now? I know you guys are creating content on an everyday basis. There is no offseason for you.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're still, you know, training out Cardinals content, Cardinals minor league content. Um like you mentioned s t l today and s t l fin chips where you can find you know other uh, uh kind of expansive cardinals coverage i mean obviously derek Gould, our lead cardinals writer, has the best podcast in baseball you know you know one of you know one of my favorite listens obviously and then we have the best podcast in the minors. so i mean yeah we're gonna continue to you know to keep readers uh and you know uh our audience and you know people uh you know that that we but you know follow our coverage you know informed on on everything drop off season Daniel great stuff uh, always good
1: to talk to you we'll talk again real soon Yeah thank you take care Matt You bet There's Daniel Guerrero from uh, STL today STL Pinch hits more baseball another guest coming up Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News we'll talk with him he joins us next at Sports Open Line on KMOX Swing it along with the left that's
0: a grand slam Ooh. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Watch down Kansas City! KMOX. Sports
1: Open Line rolling on here on KMOX. My name's Matt Paul. You only have about 20 minutes left in the program. Brad Young's going to be in the house with uh, at your service tonight from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. We'll bring him in in our next segment. Who knows what we'll talk about. He and Kevin Colleen are out there talking right now. What do you think those two are talking about i don't know they are very interested in each other right now and they have no clue that i'm staring at them and looking at them at this very moment uh we will switch gears and no good way to do that but we will continue to talk baseball very happy to go to the quiver river guest line We'll bring on a guy who is a senior Major League Baseball writer for the Sporting News based here in St. Louis. We always love our conversations. He is Ryan Fagan. You follow him on Twitter at Ryan F a g a n. Ryan, thank you as always for uh, taking a few moments with us. How are you? I'm doing great,
4: Matt. Doing great. How are you, sir?
1: I am good. I'm glad to be talking with you. I want to lead off just kind of with the big Cardinals news the last week or so, and obviously that's the uh, signing of uh, Wilson Contreras. What was your initial reaction when you saw that news?
4: You know, he's a guy that I've thought for quite a while has made a lot of sense for the Cardinals. You know, I mean, I know he's not the defender that Yadier Molina is, but I think that people hear that and they think, oh, he must be a bad defender. Well, he's he's really not. You know, he's got a good arm. You know, I think stolen bases are going to go up this year as one of the results of uh, eliminating the pickoff um, attempts and the, the bigger bases. They're going to go up. So you want a catcher that's going to be able to uh, at least, help neutralize that a little bit. I think he's got a good, you know, he's got a good strong arm. He's got a good pop time. He's going to help there. You know, and I think his bat is something that is, I, I don't think because of Yadier Molina's knacks coming up with clutch hits, I think that Cardinal fans have this idea that he's been a good hitter for a while, but it's been a while since he's been a good consistent hitter, a good source of power. You know, and Contreras is that, you know, and he's not the ideal number five guy necessarily the Cardinals fans might want. He's not going to go out and hit 35 to 40 home runs and put up numbers similar to what Goldsmith and Arnauto have done. But I think he's a massive improvement um, from that spot in the lineup. And that helps kind of alleviate other spots if you're not getting production because of injuries or, or struggles or whatnot, which is something that we've seen up and down the Cardinals lineup from time to time. And it seems to rear its head at the wrong time in October. When, but when you're putting, Bat like Contreras in that lineup that helps, like I said, alleviate some of those other positions and other other issues that the Cardinals lineup has. I think he's going to be a, a good a good piece to that uh, to that puzzle for quite a while.
1: The one part of what he does defensively that is not especially good is he's not a great pitch framer. But that's also yeah. a teachable skill for the most part. How much effort do you think the Cardinals are going to work with him to improve that part of his game?
4: Yeah, they absolutely are, you know, I mean, and I think he has gotten better at it, you know, and, and I think that's part of it too. But, you know, the Cardinals are a team that they, they do a lot of pitch to contact, right? I know that's what a lot of the, the starters do. They they put the ball in play. You know, they work the edges, but it's not necessarily because they're looking to, to fool a guy and, and throw a lot of them past him and get strike three calls. You know, they put a lot of balls in play. You know, the Cardinals aren't a high strikeout rotation. So, you know, I I just – I think – I think that's been a little bit overblown, but I think when you can get a catcher like Contreras uh, for, what is it, $17.5 million as an average annual value, when you compare that to what some of these other players are getting on this market, and I think that's something that, you know, with the new CBA, after all of the issues with the lockout and how uh, how damaging that was for the game, right, right? teams understand they have money to spend and the owners are willing to spend money now because they don't have to worry about talking about how much money they don't have until the next, until the C V A runs out. So you're seeing a lot of teams go out and spend crazy amounts of money. The Cardinals got Contreras for what is really a reasonable value for a guy who is as good as he is at that premium position.
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought the exact same thing, that he, that's really a solid value play. And uh, the contract's also backloaded, which maybe gives them a little bit more uh, wiggle room this year to do some more things. You look at the roster, and at least from my perspective, I see left-handed bat as an area of need, and you just look at the whole starting pitching situation because so many of those guys are not under contract beyond this year. What are the areas that you see that you think they could still address at some point this offseason?
4: Well, I mean, you if if you're looking for a wish list, the the guy that would benefit the most, benefit the Cardinals the most is still out there. Uh, I don't see them getting into a bidding war for Carlos Rodon, but he's the guy that would be the best fit, you know, cuz he's that guy that immediately slots at the top of the rotation. You know, the Cardinals don't need to go out and find more number 4 or 5 starters. Right. If they're going to get anybody, if they're going to pay for anybody, it's a guy like Carlos Rodon that goes at the top of that rotation. The guy gets a lot of swing and misses. You know, I, I had a Cy Young vote in the National League this year, and when you look at his numbers, I think people didn't quite grasp how good he was. And I know when I did the deep dive into the stats uh, when I was doing my process of figuring out how I was going to vote, I was a little bit in shock at how good he actually was. You know, when you look at the strikeouts per nine and the fielding independent pitching and all of these different advanced metrics, he was really good. He's like a legitimate ace. And I think if you put him at the top of that rotation, uh, get him in there for a couple more years, then you start to see that as a strength long term. Then if you bring back a couple of those guys, maybe some of the young guys step up and show that they're ready this year, next year, you know, then I think even just that one signing would make the rotation look a lot different long term.
1: Sidebar, since you mentioned it, when you're looking up and and putting together your votes for those big end-of-season awards, how much time are you spending doing that deep dive and really researching all the different numbers than evaluating player seasons?
4: Uh, I'm more obsessed with it than I probably should be (laughs) because, you know, you feel feel the responsibility. You know, you want to try to answer every question you have. You want to try to figure out what questions other people might have, and you want to be able to answer them, even if you – you, you research an area of it, and they, the same thing goes with the Hall of Fame. Even if you research an area and think, okay, well, that's something that's not as important to me, you want to know why it's not as important to you, and you want to be able to back that up and say, okay, well, here's why I didn't use that as a priority in figuring out how I'm going to vote. But, you know, I mean, it's it's something, and I like to do, I still use some of the, you know, the, the handwritten notes to try to figure out things and, and writing on the stats because it, it kind of helps. But, you know, you're using all the advanced metrics you know, uh, like uh, StatHead on BaseballReference.com is a phenomenal, mm-hmm. phenomenal resource. You can, you know, break down stats just about any way you want. Fangraphs is great. Brooks Baseball, StatCast. Um, there's so many on um, Baseball Savant. There are so many great resources now that you can look and you can dig into. Um, so, yeah, I spend, I spend a lot of time. Um, this year I did not write an explanation column for the, the Cy Young ballot. Uh, which I usually do, but I just didn't get around to that this time and time uh, for when the vote came out. But yeah, it's it's something that uh, it takes up quite a bit of quite a bit of time.
1: I always enjoy talking with baseball decision makers because you just listed all those amazing resources that you can use to evaluate players, and and people who are making decisions about players have even more resources. And I always find it interesting. How do you navigate through the numbers that actually matter, and then the numbers that are sitting there that really don't matter? Sometimes I have that conversation with players, where you know players are presented so much information, and some of it is valuable, but some of it they just need to kind of throw away. And I don't know how they do that because it's kind of hard to, to go through all that.
4: Yeah, it is because at some point, you know, it can be overwhelming. There's no doubt about it. The numbers can be overwhelming. You can say. How can I possibly figure out how to incorporate everything? You know, and the answer is you can't. Uh, You just can't no matter how much time you're going to spend. So you have to figure out, you know, in in my position, like as a voter for these awards and for the Hall of Fame, you have to figure out what's the most important to me based on what I know about baseball, based on what I know about talking to other players, other coaches, other managers, scouts, other people in the game, what do they think too? So you try to take that and then just kind of, I don't know, funnel it into this, this well of, okay, this is what I'm going to put the most importance on. And these are the things that, you know, like, again, like I said, you want to know about. So if people ask you, you can say why they're not as important, but you know, it's, you just, you do have to kind of file it down a little bit and, and get that kind of organized in your head before you go about making the final decisions.
1: Last thing for you. And we, you alluded to it a moment ago, but let's talk about it a little bit more directly There's a lot of money being thrown around right now by Major League Baseball owners and general managers and president of baseball operations. We saw some really big contracts uh, being signed around the winter meetings. It feels like, again, they they get the CBA done last offseason. They've got all these revenues are going up. And now all of a sudden there's a lot of teams out there that are willing to spend really big money.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's good for the sport. You know, there's a little bit of a sticker shock and especially Like I said, well, what we've heard over the last couple of years, especially last year with the lockout, is the owner saying, you know, players want way too much money. We don't have as much money as they think we do. And then they go out and do what they've been doing this offseason. And it says, you know, okay, well, maybe you do have money. I mean, when the Padres are spending what they're spending, right, they're not spending that much money because they're going to go broke next year, right? They didn't chase Aaron Judge and Trey Turner and then sign Xander Bogarts because they're going to go broke this is the 27th biggest market in baseball out of the 30 teams. And they're in these chases. And I think that kind of gives you an idea, you know, there's a difference between what a team can do and what a team will do. Right. And when the the goal is winning and the goal is the commitment to facing championships, you know, sometimes you can open up those purse strings a little bit. And then again, it's not that they can't, it's that they won't, you know, and there's something to be said about working within a budget. Absolutely. There's, there's something to be said about being consistently in the conversation, you know, and the Cardinals have done a phenomenal job about that. And maybe if they went and spent too much money and spent, you know, paid for Rodan and then he blows out his elbow, they're, you know, they're in bad shape and maybe that impacts them for a couple of years. But, you know, we, we see that that doesn't have to be the case. You know, owners have a lot of money and it's just a matter of how much they choose to put into that. I think that, um, that we're seeing that kind of be the case this offseason.
1: He is Ryan Fagan, senior Major League Baseball writer for the Sporting News. Follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Fagan. Ryan, thanks so much for the time. I'm sure we'll get you on again real soon.
4: i right, enjoy it. Thanks, Matt.
1: Our guy, Ryan Fagan, joining us here on Sports Open Line. We'll take a break. We'll come back, wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line. Brad Young has got um, at your service tonight, 8 to 10. He's going to join us. Who knows what we're going to talk about. Maybe he did uh, something that's heated, where he has to just have to live this very cushy life that he likes to live. We'll find out coming up in a moment. Sports Open Line on KMOX. News Radio
4: KMOX, the home of the Cardinals.
1: in this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX. My name's Matt Pauley. Tomorrow night, we have another edition of Countdown to Opening Day. Mike Claiborne and myself, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, talking all things Cardinals baseball, not just here on KMOX, but across the Cardinals radio network. Our guy, Brad Young, he's in tonight for uh, At Your Service, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock, so you definitely don't want to go anywhere. Last time we had you on, you tried to sell me on... The heated towel rack. I did. <laughs> and you asked for my number from Matt Pajeski, and uh, he gave it in a very unauthorized move by mm-hmm. Matt Pajeski. He gave you my number, and a couple days later, there's a text message with a picture of your uh, of your heated of your, towel rack.
0: Heated towel rack. Yes. And you know, I I do. I think I mentioned this last week, but every time I get out of the shower and I put on that towel, which feels like it came out of the dryer, I always say my wife's a genius. I okay. mean, that's just. That comes to mind.
1: I thought you were going to say you think about me because of this whole thing, and I really no. don't want you thinking no. about me when, uh, when you get out of the, the shower. shower. No.
0: It, no. And, in fact, I, there, there is there is no part of the multiverse where that would happen, where I would be thinking <laughs> of Matt Pauly when I'm getting out of the shower. No, not going to happen.
1: You say that tomorrow morning, you're
0: going to get out of the shower. Like, Son of a... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm going to think about, though, is this. This is what I'm going to think about. Um, and and it, I, re, I was reminded of this when I'm driving in tonight hearing hearing the excellent sports open line, hearing talking about baseball. And I was reminded of a, a Babylon B headline just last week that said, uh, men across America are relieved that they can finally stop pretending that they are interested in soccer. And I was thrilled, thrilled, I say, uh, that we were just back to talking about uh, baseball again. warned yeah, my heart.
1: It is. So one of the challenges as a sports host, I'm— like right now when I put together a show every night, it's like, what do, it doesn't matter what I want to talk about. Sure, it has to do fine. with what people want to hear. Of course. So we do Cardinals every day. Every day we do something Cardinals. Obviously we have to talk about uh, the Blues and we're going to talk about the Billikens. It's not that I don't like talk, but Cardinals are obviously number one. Well, in the summertime, that's all that's going on. Now, with City coming in, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to have soccer. We're going to have MLS soccer in St. Louis. And not that we do that many sports open lines during the summer because Cardinal baseball is on almost right. every single night, but I am going to be curious to watch the interaction with listeners during the summer and how much they're going to want to talk about
0: the MLS team. And, and my, my joke aside, I think once, once St. Louis City starts playing, my interest level, and I think this is going to be representative of many people, my interest level is going to go way up mm-hmm. because before it was just some game that's played somewhere else that I could never do. But now if it's here and it's home, I'm going to get interested in it because it's going to be a hometown game. Yeah, I've never been a big
1: soccer guy. And, you know, they played that uh, that friendly against uh, Bayer Leverkusen. And I, I was there for that. I was up in the broadcast booth. as now, we see, I would have it. called
0: him Lederhosen. I, I probably
1: did. And I thought it was really cool. And I thought it was like what I enjoyed was watching the support supporter section and the, the mm-hmm. drums and the flags and everything. I got home that night and I told my wife and my wife doesn't like soccer either. Uh, I said, well, you got to go to one of these games. Not, not because of the game. The game's fine. And I'm going sure. you know, to learn it and I'm going to know more about it. And I'm going to understand what I'm looking at and what's good and what's not good. Like I'm, I'll get that down. But what was really enjoyable, enjoyable about that experience was the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I wanted to share that with my wife. So at some point, we'll go to a city game just so she can see kind of what's oh, going on there.
0: Absolutely, and it, because at this point, every single thing I know about soccer, I learned from watching Ted Lasso. Okay, that's, that's the extent of my soccer knowledge, but I promise you, I'll be at some of those games. I know that I'm going to get interested, and it's going to be a process.
1: I love Ted Lasso. Le-
0: oh, I do too. It's, it's a great. show. We don't have
1: enough time to talk about it right now,
0: because, but it is an amazing show. Uh, what do you have going on tonight? Well, we're going to be talking to uh, Jim Carafano. He's the national uh, national security policy expert for the Heritage Foundation. We're going to be talking about what's going on in Ukraine right now and where it's going. Uh, I also have the new president of of uh, Central Bank St. Louis talking about uh, economic issues, inflation issues, how it's going to affect our pocketbooks. And then, of course, we'll have uh, open phones all evening.
1: All night long, 314-436-7900. That's the number to call. It's at your service. It's on the way next again. Tomorrow night, we'll have countdown to opening day during this slot, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Mike Claiborne and myself will be coming your way. we got a lot of great guests tomorrow, so you do not want to miss out on that. A new, I guess, yeah, it's new. It's new that we're just starting it up again. A new Wednesday night staple here on KMOX. We'll talk to you then tomorrow night, 6 to 8.